Welcome back, everyone, to the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. I'm your host, Andres, and today I'm, uh, well, alone, actually. Crazy set of events. Psalm opened his fridge, and boom, Snake jumped out, bit him in both eyes. Absolutely nuts. Zach, meanwhile, was getting into his car opens the door and boom snake jumps right in front of him bites his tongue super swollen can't jump on the pod absolutely crazy snakes everywhere man watch out look left and right check your back seat they're everywhere they can get you at any time but enough about my co-hosts and their crazy snake shenanigans we're here today to talk about chelsea's semifinal win versus al hilal and one of our recently knighted rep ultras, Ronnie Ashworth, said it best. Well, the soon-to-be-crowned best club side in the world are continuing to look decidedly average on their way to yet another final. And honestly, I can't agree more. The 90-minute performance against Al-Hilal left... Uh, left me feeling very much meh. So let's get into it. Uh, Chelsea once again lined up in the 3-4-3. Kepa in goal, a back three of Rudiger, Thiago, and the bit of forgotten uh, Andreas Christensen. Uh, at wing back, we had Aspilicueta on the right, Alonso on the left, and a midfield pivot of Jorginho and Mateo Kovacic. With a front three of Ziyech, Lukaku, and Kai Havertz. Was I excited about this? Not really. As you guys know, I've been a very, very big fan of the 4-1-4-1. And all the kind of dimensions it has added to our attack. But... Um, after I was kind of upset of the initial lineup, I did notice that during the game... When the team was uh, transitioning between defense to attack, our 3-4-3 immediately changed to a 4-4-2. Alonso would slide up to a left mid position. Ziyech would, uh, would kind of drift way, way to the right to cover that right mid position. And Kai Havertz wasn't much of a left winger. He was more of a left striker operating centrally next to Lukaku. So in this sort of altered 3-4-3 into a 4-4-2 we continue to let Ziyech do what he does best kind of create space for himself not need to uh, receive the ball with his back to goal be able to play those back post curlers and once again I thought Ziyech looked one of our better players uh, was actually pretty surprised to get him see him get subbed up subbed off in the second half but I honestly marked that down to getting him some rest before the final. And also, in the 4-2-2 kind of shape, we got to see the best of Kai Havertz. He operated centrally, and honestly, he was far more of a threat than Lukaku was. I know for the second match in a row, he sort of missed some chances that you would hope a striker would finish. And I think in his head... He's just overthinking it because he's getting to the positions naturally. But once he has to pull the trigger, 
I know he's adding pressure on himself because he knows if he starts putting goals away, then he might be able to start getting the minutes that Lukaku kind of is getting unforgiven, like without even having to perform. So Havertz is probably putting in that extra pressure on himself and more often than not overthinking the easy finishes. But um, again, Lukaku did score. Honestly, if he hadn't, I would have been very, very upset. In a, in a ball that was played in, there's a bad clearance from the Al-Hilal defense, falls on his lap, puts his power in behind it, couldn't miss from about, I don't know, five yards out. Uh, overall, the match was more of the usual Chelsea we've known as of late, where early on, chances come left and right. We miss a ton of them, the easy ones, the harder ones. And then we get one, finally. But again, we create more chances, continue to miss. And around that uh, 70th to 80th minute sweet spot, we allow the other team to just gain absolute momentum and come at us pretty freely, honestly. But as usual, we keep the clean sheet. And get the win. It's uh, <laughs> not the most fun way to win. But if you're a Chelsea fan, you've kind of gotten used to this. Now, the main reason that I, at least in my opinion, that I think we got the win was the man between the sticks. I thought Kepa Riza Balaga had one of his best matches yet again. I thought that he had some really good reaction saves. And the thing that we always kind of give Kepa stick for is those outside-the-box shots. And he had a fantastic save diving to his left on what I believe was a Mateus Pereira shot from distance. And it took every inch of Kepa's six-foot-two frame to get to that. And... That was honestly the highlight of the match for me. And in my mind, it kind of brought a little bit of second win to Chelsea at the very end of the match to just kind of see it through because Kepa got up all, you know, hyped, got the boys kind of rallying. And to me, he was the man of the match. And it seems like to all of our listeners, you guys agree because we put out a poll for a man of the match and uh, an overwhelming 70% of you voted for Kepa. To continue to speak about Kepa, one of our other rep ultras that was just knighted, All-American CFC, he asked, in terms of next match, should Kepa start? And I've seen this question floated around Twitter a lot this week. Kepa has done a fantastic job since Eduard Mendy left uh, for international duty with Senegal and proceeded to win the AFCON, uh, African Cup of Nations with Senegal, stopped a penalty in the final as well during the shootout. And he's back with the team. He flew into Abu Dhabi. He's healthy, doesn't have COVID. So the question has been brought up. Do we go back to Mendy, who is our number one goalkeeper? Or do you continue to ride the form that Kepa is in, who has 
you could argue, earned the start. It's tough. It's tough. Because if you want to be, you know, bringing proof from history, we played our cup keeper in the FA Cup final last year and lost. And a lot of people argued that the Leicester City goal, Eduard Mendy could have stopped. I honestly would say usually play the number one keeper. I would. But this angry and wanting to prove you wrong Keppa that we've seen for the past month or so, I kind of want to see it through. And spoilers to my thoughts on, on what the final may look like, I think the final could very much end in a penalty shootout. And while Edumendi did well to stop a penalty for Senegal, I think the stats show that Kepa is a much better shootout keeper. I think that in recent weeks, he's shown his defenders that he can be a very, very confident player at the back. And we're also playing a Brazilian team. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't know much about Palmeiras. But I don't expect them to be shooting much from outside of the box, long distance uh, screamers. You know, these are going to be guys that have a little bit of more of that Joga Bonito finesse. I expect to see more combinations get into the box. And, and Kepa has honestly showed us that he can make those saves. So I may be in the wrong here, but I want to see Kepa start the final. Now, we wake up Saturday morning, see the lineup. I will not be upset if Eduard Mendy is the keeper for the tournament. Much like in the Champions League where both, both, uh, both keepers took pictures together with the trophy together, I think that this team, especially this season, has depended on both. I think that Kepa and Mendy have both had very crucial roles in some of the most important games of the season. Uh, Kepa more often in a shootout form. Mendy more often in a 90-minute format. But again, I think you can't go wrong with either. I personally would be okay with Kepa starting. Now, uh, All-American CFC, a.k.a. Our, our boy Wilson, also asked, should Malang Sar start over Alonzo? Now, this one is more of what you're looking for in style, right? Alonzo is a wild card in the fact that his offensive output, you can argue, can make up for the defensive one. Meanwhile, Malang Sar is a wild card that, depending on where you play him, he can feel comfortable and, and not a risk, or he could be due for a bad tackle that can put Chelsea in a tough situation. Again, me, Andres, personally, I would start Malang Sar because I want to see the 4-1-4-1 in the final. I think that as a natural, not a natural, but a traditional left back where we don't ask Malang Sar to drift into the box and, and start shooting on goal, I think he can do that job and he can allow, whether it's Hudson Adoy or even Pulisic, to have the wide space as a left mid 
and, and give them the opportunity to dribble at defenders 1v1. That's just what I prefer to see. And defensively, I'll take him over Alonzo any day. So that's my quick and easy answer in terms of Malang Sar versus Alonzo. Now, if we see this weird 3-4-3, my argument is that's one less attacking mind on the field. We saw a lot of, the, of, of stagnant movement when we would possess into the final third against Al-Hilal because, again, you have one less offensive player on the pitch. So you're asking Aspie and Alonso or even Kovacic and Jorginho, who are not your most natural goal scorers, to provide that final flair to get a shot off or, or that final pass. So, you know, replace Alonso with Sar and you add that extra body, whether it's Mason Mount on top of both Ziyech and a Cho wide, or who knows, maybe it's Kai Havertz as a second striker. I think that could add more dynam- kind of dynamism, if that's even a word, to our attack, you know, more of an unpredictability, more overlapping runs. And I just think that our attack looks very, very stagnant at times uh, when you have the two wingbacks whose names aren't Ben Chilwell and Reese James. So continuing to ask, um, Wilson goes on to ask, can we fit Kai, Mount, and Ziyech in a lineup since Lukaku will always start? <laughs> and uh, this is a two-parter, right? Because it's gotten to the point where no matter how bad Romelu Lukaku plays for Chelsea, he seems to get a spot in the team sheet. Now, I can speculate and say that perhaps Chelsea is trying to keep his value high or play him into form. I Maybe it's pressure from the board to make the $100 million signing work. But I think, unfortunately, Saturday is not going to be the first day we see Kai, Mount, and Ziyech plus Lukaku start together. I can see that being a possibility in the league when we play perhaps a side that is going to park the bus and have zero intention to score against us. Um, you know, you can play Kai and Mount as the attacking eights in that 4-1-4-1 with Ziyech on the right and then Lukaku as the lone striker. I think that that would give us a lot of creativity moving forward. And I honestly look forward to seeing that at some point during the Premier League campaign. Now, why I don't think that'll happen against Palmeiras is uh, the Brazilians take the Club World Cup extremely seriously. And again, as Chelsea fans, we should know this. In 2012, we lost to Corinthians. They were ready. This is the biggest game for whoever the South American champion is. Being the Club World Cup to Europe may feel like a just a little nice little shiny trophy. But in South America, this is... This is it. Apart from the, the FIFA World Cup, this is probably the biggest trophy a South American player playing in South America will ever get their hands on. So I don't expect Palmeiras to sit back and just absorb pressure for 90 minutes. So to me, you don't play Kai and Mount together because you need a little bit more balance and more of a Mount plus Kovacic or Conte would make more sense because you would get more of that defensive work rate 
and and just pressure off the ball to win the ball back and immediately pounce on the attack. Now, he asked one more question. Should Jorginho play the full 90 minutes come Saturday? Yes. Simple answer. Yes. Jorginho got taken off after 45 minutes this midweek. I did not see any reports on injury, which makes me think, okay, we are resting Jorginho for Saturday. And to me, you start with Jorginho. I think that we needed him. And in the situations where the team starts to lose focus or where the other team starts gaining momentum, Jorginho is great at breaking that because when things get chaotic, Jorginho can set the tempo once again. He is not going to be the Cesc Fabregas that pings a 50-yard ball immediately and finds the goal. He is the guy that calms down everyone around him. So if the emotions get high or perhaps the Palmeiras players start getting a little bit more confident, how do you work around that? You keep the ball. And nobody in our team is better than Jorginho at making those small, quick check-in runs to get the ball and recycle possession from one side of the pitch to the other. So yes, in my mind, you start with Jorginho fully intending for him to play the full 90 minutes. Now, if for some reason you can't or or the, the match isn't allowing you to do that, that's what the substitutions are for. I think that our bench has enough variety and flexibility to where if the Regista skill set of Jorginho isn't good enough, you can find a solution. Now, since we've been mentioning Saturday's final versus Palmeiras a lot, I'll move over to one of our other Red Ultras. And again, shout out to all the guys who, you know, participate week in and week out with their questions. And uh, this time it's a Michael Conan who asks, what's the confidence meter after that performance for the final versus Palmeiras? Well, I alluded to it before. Brazilians and and in a bigger picture, South American clubs take this tournament extremely, extremely seriously. So I do not expect an easy match on Saturday. I don't care if the skill set gap is, you know, the best league in Europe versus, oh, it's a South American league. That means nothing to me in a final. It is a final. They earned their way into this final and... This is the biggest match in those players' careers. I can I can bet you 100% that if you ask that same question to the Chelsea's team, no player would say that. Now, do I feel confident that we can beat Palmeiras? Yes. What I'm trying to say is this isn't going to be a walk in the park, at least in my mind. I think that it's going to be a 1-0 or a 2-1 or hell even a shootout victory. I think we have the better depth, bigger roster, and therefore we should be the better team. And again, if Chelsea decides to surprise me and somehow Lukaku gets a hat trick, then I'm not going to complain. But in my mind, I think this is going to be tough. I think that Chelsea tends to play to the level of their competition and while I think that the energy levels from Palmeiras will be higher than ours, I think that we're also prone to playing down to their level. I hope I'm proven wrong, 
I think in a game like this, you expect Lukaku to use his physicality and bully these defenders who are probably more used to your Neymar-style flimsy dribblers. I hope that this is also a match for someone like Ziyech to continue to shine. And finally, Jorginho. I mentioned him earlier. I think that he can really succeed here. If if Palmeiras is going to try to play the Joga Bonito style, that means that they're going to be trying to carry the ball more so than pass it. And Jorginho is a great foil to that. I think that his quick passing and, and moving the ball quickly can tire out this uh, these uh, kind of hungry Brazilians. And and hopefully that'll be the, the key factor to the match. So I have confidence. I just don't want people to think that because I'm confident, I'm expecting a complete thrashing. Are we capable of a, a thrashing? Yeah, we are. We're the champions of Europe. We beat Juventus 4-0. We beat Chester. <laughs> I hate to use Chesterfield as an example, but we scored seven goals on them. So again, if we score early, and I mean early, we could... I take that back. <laughs> if we keep an early momentum going, we can drain the energy of this team. But it has to be a very focused effort and that's the part that I'm struggling to see because the Al-Hilal match, we looked gassed by the 60th minute. And I know time zones play a factor and and we had just arrived. But, man, I, I just don't want to underestimate this Brazilian side. But again, I hope that I'm correct. I think we should win this game. I should. I think it could be comfortable. And I think Chelsea can finally add the Club World Cup to their trophy cabinet. It's the one that's missing. We were so close in 2012. I, for one, really want to win this trophy because I remember being in my college dorm and waking up at ridiculous hours because that Club World Cup was being played in Japan. So very early morning matches, even earlier than the Premier League ones we get here in this in the States. So uh, yeah, I want that win. One last question tonight. This one from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He asks Aspie winning Saturday would mean he would be the first Chelsea player to win every possible trophy with the club. Where is he in our legends list? So, I am very much aware that there's a pantheon. That includes Peter Osgood, Ron Chopper-Harris, Bobby Tanlin, Paul Canneville, and other, you know, older Chelsea players that deserve their place there. And I don't want to put him in between those names because I cannot speak on those names. I did not watch because I was not born <laughs> during that time. So I'm going to put him a, a, across the names that I can speak on. I think Aspie is already legend status. He is a Champions League winner, two-time Europa League winner, Premier League winner, FA Cup winner, Carabao Cup winner. He's won every European trophy. Now, I've always had him in a tier below your Peter Cech, your Didier Drogba, your Gianfranco Zola, 
your Frank Lampard, your John Terry. This trophy and and kind of having the, the grand slam of club trophies puts him on par with those players to me. Obviously, within those ranks, you know, Lampard's the greatest player for most people in, in Chelsea's history and, and things like that. But I think he deserves to be in that group should he win that trophy. And I think he deserves it outright. I don't think it's a, a, a sentimental thing. I think Aspie has been a true warrior for this club. The man has played left back. The man has played center back. The man has played right back. He's played right wing back. He's played left wing back. I mean, Mourinho was once quoted that give me 11 Aspiliquetas and I can win you the Champions League. He may not be the most vocal leader like John Terry was, but if you ever need a leader by example, I think that Aspiliqueta is is one of those guys. Again, he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the strongest player, but man, he is a bulldog. And I'd like to see any player really beat him defensively one-on-one when he was in his prime. He was pocketing some of the world's best wingers week in and week out during his best time. So again, Aspie captains us to the Club World Cup trophy. For sure, add him to that very, very uh, high-praised list of players. But yeah, guys, I think that kind of wraps up things for my uh, first solo Roman's Empire pod experience. If you guys enjoyed this version of a podcast in a shorter fashion, kind of a mailbag edition for this uh, midweek match, Please let us know on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. You can also email us at RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. And as always, we encourage interaction. Our Discord was probably the most active it's ever been. And no, you do not have to pay to join our Discord. We just want to see you participate in our Twitter posts and polls. And from there, we will add you to the Discord. It's that simple. We enjoy creating a community that's all about Chelsea. No, we are not going to be toxic to you in a group chat. We are open to every sort of opinion. You can ask our friend Prashanth about that. So again, thank you guys all for listening. Thank you guys all for keeping this community uh, growing and talking about Chelsea. And as always, keep the blue flag flying high.